All right, well, let's gather together and let's get back into this there I said it thing. You know, um, I've got a, 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 a notepad on my desk and every time, and actually my cell phone as well, but I, I keep two running lists and it's these things where I'm, I'm either studying, I'm learning, I'm listening to somebody, I'm hearing something, and, uh, and when I hear it, I, I, I make myself a phrase and I say, there, I said it. And I, so I come up with all these titles and it's like, hey, this would be a good one to talk about, this would be a good one to talk about, this would be a good one to talk about, but here's the deal. I keep reading some of these things and, and I, I say it this way. Okay, I say it. There, I said it. You know, and that's kind of the way we approach this thing. And it's like, wow, that sounds mean. It just sounds mean to say, well, there, I said it. You know, and it's like, I, I wrestle with it just a little tiny bit and, and say, hey, what's going on here? I began to wrestle with that. I began to wrestle with this idea that I want to share with you today. That It's like, you know, sometimes we have to stop. And I'm talking about Joe Wood, and I'm just sharing it with you. But we've got to stop, and we've got to say, hey, are you being mean? Just, just straight up, are you being mean? Because sometimes when people are being mean to us, it's because we're mean. We've done something that's mean. But we don't often tell people the whole story about what really happened. Okay? Now, to some degree, I'd like to believe that we've grown up and we're done with all of that, right? But we're still human beings and we want to defend ourselves or whatever that is. And, and so I want to talk about one of those um, today. Um, and, and this is what I want to call it today. And I want to get into it. And I want to talk about two different men in one story okay? And then how this plays out in their lives and then eventually their relationship, okay? But here it is. The choices that we often, uh, the choices that we made, made historically, the choices that we made often lead to the consequences that we have to live. There, I said it, okay? Um, Another way to say it is, look, it's not always somebody else's fault, Okay? Can I say it that way? Can I, I mean, now some of you are already like, oh, I don't know where this is going, but I mean, we might need to get to the cafe right now because I'm not sure. It's, I, I, listen, I, I, this is the one I got to share. This is what the Lord put on my plate. So one I got to set on the table up here and then we've got to decide how much of it we want to eat. But listen, as I was thinking about that, it was also spurred on by children. Okay, believe it. No, children, Joe, they're so wonderful. No, they're not. Okay, children are the devil and they want to eat you. Okay, children want to eat you. They want to eat your marriage. They want to eat your finances. They want to sometimes eat your hope for a future, okay? But we love them anyway, and then we raise them up, and they turn into wonderful human beings. It's, it's kind of amazing that way. But as I was interacting with children, okay, because I do have, I don't have any little ones, but I have some grandchildren that come to my house, and suddenly they're like in the other room, and they're fighting over what we're going to watch on TV or what game we're going to play, because we like to have game nights, and, and it's pretty soon somebody shoves somebody, and then somebody hits somebody, and then somebody's screaming at somebody, and I have to run in and say, whoa, 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 stop, 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 what happened? And that is the most awful question to ever ask little children. They're not going to tell you the truth. Okay, I just want you to know that going in, if you've got little tiny baby in your arms and you're like, not my princess, but my prince, it's like, yeah, I'm telling you, they're going to lie to you. Okay, because you're going to go in and say, what happened? And then the one that's guilty is going to go, she pushed me. Okay, and then they're going to say, well, he hit me. And then you're going to say, did you hit her? And he goes, yeah, but she needed it. (laughs) See what happened there? It's always somebody else's fault And we're not going to tell you the truth of what happened. We're going to tell you the truth that you need to hear to understand that I'm the one that's good and other people are evil. And consequently, that kind of turns into a, hey, um, are we taking responsibility for the decisions and the choices that we've made in our lives? And then trying to blame, excuse me, are we not taking the consequences, but trying to blame everybody else for them? 
When in fact, what we need to do is just sit down and say, look, you know, it didn't go the way you wanted it to, and I had a part in it. And I'm not saying there's not situations where we don't. I'm just saying, as a general rule, we are human beings, and we don't ever want it to be our fault. Not at all. And there's some psychology to that that I don't understand. But I want to take you to the story in the book of 2 Samuel. Um, and I want to look at the story of King David. And, and we'll get into where it is. And um, just those of you in the booth, just kind of be aware. I just feel like the Lord is saying to make a break in here somewhere. So I'm going to actually make a break in here. Um, not I'm going to break away and run away. Not that kind of break. Um, but, you know, anyway, let's just do this, okay? Um, 2 Samuel chapter 16, I want to begin down at verse 5, and then we'll back up and do a little tiny bit of um, catch up there, okay? It says right here, as King David approached Bahurim, a man from the same clan as Saul's family came out from there, okay? Saul's family is Benjamin, the tribe of Je Benjamin. Saul is the first king ever of Israel, Okay? So just so you got a little tiny bit there, okay? So a clan, from the same clan as uh, Saul's family came out from there. His name was Shimei, son of Gera, and he cursed as he came out. Now he wasn't cursing like, you know, cursing, cursing. He was cursing like, may the fires of heaven come down and consume you. May it dry up your family. May it consume your, all your donkeys and your camels. Like he was like speaking a spiritual curse on David as David was going by and it just wouldn't stop coming out of his mouth. Okay, so that, just understand it that way, all right? Um, and he pelted, understand this, he pelted David and all the king's officials with stones, though all the troops and the special guard were on David's right and left. So David is surrounded by Israel's SEAL Team 6, okay? Ancient SEAL Team 6. They're marching out of Jerusalem on purpose, and we'll get to that. A guy is throwing rocks at him, okay? And as he gets cursed, Shimei says, Get out, get out, you man of blood, you scoundrel. The Lord has repaid you for all the blood you shed in the household of Saul. So he's mad at something that David did to his household. He said, In whose place you have reigned, you took the throne. The Lord has handed, you, handed the kingdom over to your son Absalom, and you have come to ruin because you are a man of blood. There. And then Abishai, the son of Zariah, said to the king, Hey, why should the, this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me just go over there and whack his head off. I, I changed the word whack out. It's a Greek word. I mean, it's a Hebrew word. Um, you know, um, it comes through Italy, but it means can I just go separate his head from his body? Okay, can I just go whack this guy? And then uh, it says, uh, um, but the king said, what do you and I have in common, you sons of Zariah? Is, if he is cursing because the Lord said to him, go curse David, who can ask, why do you do this? And David said to Abishai and his officials, My son, who is of my own flesh, is trying to take my life. How much more than this Benjamite? Just leave him alone. Let him curse, for the Lord has told him to do this. It may be that the Lord will see my distress and repay me with good for the cursing that I'm receiving today. So David and his men, look at this. So David and his men continued along the road while Shimei was going along the hillside. So he's up above them, opposite. And he's cursing and he's throwing stones at them and showering them with dirt. And the king and all the people with him arrived at their destination exhausted, and there he refreshed himself. And so we've got this picture, and if I can just like get into this picture for just a, just a little bit. You know, this is David, and I don't know what you think of when I say King David. 
You know, this is the guy that says, you know, sing this to the lovely doves. Um, I wrote this as a song for going up to the temple. And we read the Psalms and we think, oh, that David. This David, he is just so wonderful. Um, surely the Lord must love him. But this is some real gangster stuff. Okay? This is, if, if you read David, we don't read the people in the Bible correctly. We think Abraham was just like, Father Abraham had many sons. And you know, we just think that's how it is. Or, or we just think Jesus was like, uh, come on over and we'll throw some shrimp on the Barbie and we'll have a good time. And, and he's like super monotone, but he speaks with an Australian or an English accent, you know, because that's who he was, right? If it was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for us. But, but it's like, no, that's not what's going. Read your Bible. This is, like, this is like Jesus culture meets Don Corleone, okay? That's what's going on in this scripture. This is like, I love you, Lord. Go over there and separate that man from his shoulder, his head from his shoulder. And it's like, one guy? And on one, on one day, he's like, let's whack everybody and kill them all. And one day, he's like, let's write music to Jesus today so that we can have a pulse service at the temple. It's like, What? What? But that is what is going on in this story. But some of you, you read David and you're like, oh, that King David, he's the best. Man after God's own heart, guitar player, writes beautiful music. His heart, you can just see his beautiful heart everywhere. Well, there was that Bathsheba incident, but it wasn't that much. It was just a thing, but he got past it. Now, other than that, he's my spiritual Mr. Dreamy. You know, and it's like, no, no. David was a man of blood. David was a warrior. Some of you are like, yeah, he was a shepherd. And it's like, he was a shepherd that could kill a lion and a bear with his bare hands and a club. It's like, yes, he was. He was a shepherd that wasn't afraid to say, boys, what's going on here? Somebody go kill that Goliath down there. And he went down there and, and basically murdered a giant with a rock and a sling because all of the people that had weapons wouldn't go down there. David is not this, you know, polished, clean, sanctified little. This was a warrior who loved God desperately. And here's the deal. David is fleeing for his life. He is leaving Jerusalem. And you think, why is he leaving Jerusalem? Well, because his son Absalom is staging a coup, a takeover. Absalom, the son of David, wants David dead. Those of you that think you were raised in a dysfunctional family, this is the part for you. Have you ever been there when your, your brother really wanted to separate your head from your shoulders? Wanted to kill you? I mean, listen, we've had some dysfunctional families, and without getting too extreme, you know, we think, oh, we had it tough. This is tough. This is tough stuff right here. Absalom wants to kill his father and take the throne. See, here's the deal. David's son Absalom had avenged his sister Tamar years before. Tamar got raped and they came and told David what happened. And David said, yeah, well, you know, we'll, ah, not now, not today, we'll not. David's a warrior. He could have gone and wiped the village out where these people came from. But he wouldn't do it. And as a, as a result of that, it is very, very obvious that Absalom lost respect for his father and for his father's idea of leadership. And now he's like, David, my dad's not getting it done and we're going to kill him. We're going to ride into Jerusalem, me and all my men, and we're going to kill my dad. 
And then we're going to take the throne. And somebody came and said, David, you better get out of Jerusalem because he doesn't just have a couple of guys with him. He's got an army. And so David is leaving and he's got, some guys are like, David, we're coming. And he's like, no, you guys stay there and tell me what happens. And some people are like, David, we're coming with you. And he's like, you stay there because I don't want you with me. And then David heads on out. And as he's heading out, there's this Shimei guy that I want to talk to about. I want to look at David. I want to look at Shimei. And this guy is walking along the ridge right there, really close to him, like, you know, when they cut the road between the rocks, you know, and he's throwing rocks at him. And like I said, David is surrounded by special forces. And they're just like, could we please just go send a lance through this guy, separate his head from his body? You shouldn't put up with this. You are the king. This needs to stop right now. And I love that David kind of pulls a Jesus. You know, when Peter came to Jesus and he said, Lord, you got to stop saying you're going to Jerusalem to die. We're not having that. And Jesus said, Peter, get behind me, Satan. And, and David says to, to Abishai, he says, listen, what do I have to do with you, you sons of Zariah? If God said for him to come and curse me, then let him curse me. That doesn't mean David liked it. But as they walked along, this guy's just throwing dirt at him. He's just pelting him. David is being driven out of his dream by his son Absalom. And by dream, I don't mean like he had a dream. I mean, God made a covenant with David and said, you will sit on the throne in Jerusalem and your family will sit on that throne forever. And he was being driven out of his ever felt like you were being driven out of your dream, like you lost your dream? Ever felt like, didn't matter what you do, somebody was throwing rocks at you, throwing dirt on you, telling you you can't do it. You're not good enough. You're not enough. You'll never amount to anything, because that's what's going on here. And the, here's the tough part. It was somebody really, really close to David. It was his son. And not like a little boy, a grown man that could gather an army to push him out of Jerusalem, was throwing rocks, I mean, was, was chasing him, while another man that was taking Absalom's side was throwing rocks and dirt on him. I mean, it's like spitting on a man back there. You ever been there? I was sitting there during worship, and I felt like the Lord was saying, at this point right here, Joe, I want you to pray for people. I want you to pray for people that feel like it doesn't matter where they turn, but somebody's throwing rocks and dirt on them. And it's starting to depress them. This isn't where I thought life would be right now. Can I pray for you right now if that just clicked in your heart. Just all of a sudden it made sense and you said, he's talking to me. Could you just come up here so I can get on with this sermon? Seriously? You're in here right now and you're like, yeah, I know you're talking to me. There you go. Listen, it hurts and it's hard to be real. And I don't believe there's just one. So I'm just going to invite you. You feel like you've been driven out of your dream. And you're like, God, what happened? There you go. See, I believe, a, I believe in a God that wants to speak to people. I really do. And I believe that God brought you here to, to hear something because it's going to affect you. And now I'm going to ask the prayer team if they'll come up here a little before they were supposed to. But just step on up here. If you're on the prayer team, come on up here. I know there's four of you. 
thank you. And I just want you to surround these people right here. Okay? Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Bruce. And we just want to pray. And listen, if you're scared to come up here and you're like, ah, I don't know what that's all about. I'm just going to stay in my chair. I, I know you're there because I can feel you. I feel like the Holy Spirit is saying, no, there's, there's that. You don't have to get up. I'm going to pray for you anyway. Okay? I, I want to. But I want you guys to pray too for this, these young ladies right here. Let's pray. Fathers, we come before you. We've all been in a place where we felt like um, Shammai was throwing rocks at us. And we're just tired of the rocks, Lord. It's, it's not that they even really hurt. They're just such a nuisance that we can't hardly get past them sometimes. God, like David, we can say, let him throw the rocks because maybe I deserve them and maybe we do. Or like Shammai, uh, Shammai God, sometimes we just think we don't deserve anything that happened to us. And neither one of those is necessarily true. But I know that you are a God who came down here and died for us because you dream dreams for us. God, you instill us as we seek you and delight in you. God, you give us the desires of our heart. It's not about us giving. It's about us surrendering and wrapping our, our arms around the joy of what you have in store. And so right now, God, I just ask and pray that you pour out your Holy Spirit here on these young ladies. We just speak this in the name of Jesus Christ upon their hearts. God, where there's a bandage that's needed to go on, I pray that you would reach in there with your hands and put it on their heart, their soul's heart. And where there's a bandage that needs to come off, God, then I pray that you would bring mercy and forgiveness and love in there. And I pray, God, that you would make them so, so, so very aware of your presence in their being in this moment right now. God, I just see a wave washing over them and just invite you, Holy Spirit, to just speak into them, God. Because sometimes the walk is long when people are throwing things at us. But we know that you have a plan, God, and you didn't bring us this far to leave us, and you didn't give us a dream to steal it, but rather to fulfill it. And so we speak that upon these people and those people that are hiding in their chairs, God. We speak it upon them as well. I don't know what it is, Lord. But God, I give it over to you because they're your children and you love them desperately. In Jesus' name we release this. Amen. Amen. So that's the picture that we have. We have this picture of this dysfunctional family and this family member from um, the tribe of Benjamin, and he's trying to make up for something that happened in his past. And, and I, again, I, I love David's answer um, to SEAL Team 6 Israel version, and that is, leave him alone, for the Lord has told him to do this. Let him curse. It may be that the Lord will look upon my misery and restore to me his covenant blessing instead of uh, his curse today. And it's that covenant that is important to God. And we need to grab a hold of the concept of that covenant. See, the background for Shimei throwing stuff at, at uh, um, King David is because Saul's descendants um, is, is what he was. But David had seven sons of Saul's killed. He handed them over to the Gibeonites. This is the, the short version of it, okay? So Joshua's going into the promised land, and they come up against the Gibeonites. And in the course of doing the things God told them to do, Joshua makes a covenant with the Gibeonites. And he basically says, listen, we're going to do a deal. We're going to make a pact. It's going to be thing. Israel will always protect the Gibeonites, but you're going to live as slaves for us. 
but nobody will kill you and wipe you off the face of the earth. Fast forward to Saul becoming a king. The Gibeonites become a problem, so um, Saul decides he's going to wipe them off the face of the earth, and he goes at it. As he's wiping them off the face of the earth, covenants, covenants are so important to God that he sends a famine, okay, a drought on Israel for three years, and people are starving to death. Because God curses Israel, because they violated a covenant that Joshua made on behalf of Israel, and, and um, King Saul is the one that did it. So when um, King David comes into power, God tells him, you've got to make this right. David goes to the Gibeonites and says, tell me what we can do to make this right, because i got to save my nation. And the Gibeonites say, you give us seven sons of of uh, Saul, and he does, and they end up dead. And now Shimei says, you are a man of blood. You killed people in my family. But what Shimei's not willing to tell you is the truth. My family violated a covenant in the, that was cut in the name of God. See, you don't always hear the whole story, but you got Shimei acting on bad information. And it's like, wow, what's going on here? You, know, you don't always understand how important covenants are to God. Covenants are so important to God that Jesus said, if I can paraphrase this, it's better to not make a covenant than make a covenant and break a covenant. Let your yes be yes, your no be no. Anything else is from the evil one. When you make a covenant, as a matter of fact, in the Old Testament, if you know anything about covenants, you don't make covenants, you cut covenants. You take an animal, you split it right down the nose from head to tail, you lay the two pieces apart, salt's involved in it, and then you walk between those two parts and you make the covenant and you're saying, if I violate the covenant that we're making now, then let my life be like these two, this animal that's cut in two pieces. You're saying, take my life. Okay, that's a blood covenant. And that's how serious God takes covenant. So marriages are covenants. That's why God takes them so serious. You know another covenant that you made that you don't take serious? Believe it or not, I, I, I just will throw this out there for you. You made a covenant with the state of Kentucky, those of you that have driver's licenses. That's a covenant. You made a covenant with them that you would operate that vehicle in a, a, a fashion in which is safe and all the things and obey the rules and stuff like that. And they said, okay, then we'll give you this um, driver's license. That's considered a covenant, believe it or not. So there's a place in there in our lives where we have these covenants. And I want you to know that, that God takes covenants very, very seriously. But in the course of all this, Shimei wants to cry, King hurt, King hurt, you hurt us. Shame on you, shame on you. And yet he doesn't tell you the real story that his own ancestor almost destroyed the nation of Israel by, by creating the drought or causing the drought to come and then almost starving people to death. The story goes on, I'm not going to get into it, but the story goes on. David regains Jerusalem. Um, his son gets tangled up because Absalom is so good looking, so handsome, so pretty, so all the things that the scripture says he is, but he's got beautiful locks and his hair gets caught up in the branches and somebody stabs him and, and then they go tell the king, hey, the enemy Absalom is dead. And so David kills that guy. He's like, just because you're bearing good news doesn't mean bad things won't happen to you, okay? So be careful what you, know, you go and tell. Um, that's just a whole other thing. But um, Shimei, when David comes back into Jerusalem, this is where the story turns. Shimei is like, oh, please, please, I don't know what I was thinking. Please don't kill me. Please don't kill me. Um, I, I, don't, don't. And David makes a covenant with Shimei. And he says, I will not kill you. Don't worry. 
And Shimei's like, yeah. And then on David's deathbed, he says, Solomon, this is the gangster part. I'm about to die and leave this earth. You remember Shimei? Yeah, kill him. Whack him. Don't let the breath of life stay in his body. Take care of it. I couldn't do it. I made a covenant. But you can do it. This is for real. And Solomon, I love the way Solomon handles it. Solomon's like, I can't whack the guy. You know, then I'll be a man of blood. I can't do that. So what he does is he goes to the guy and says, Shimei, here's the deal. He says, you stay here in this town and you can't leave this town. If you leave this town, then your life's your own. You're, you're going to get whacked. And Shimei's like, ah, a reprieve. I can do that. Three years later, somebody steals his donkeys. And he goes after them and leaves town. And word gets back to Solomon. And I love Solomon splitting hairs with God. All right, Shimei, I didn't want to do this. It's not my fault. It's your fault. You left town. Remember the deal we had? Leave town. It was a covenant. If you leave town, you got to be whacked. Sorry. Shimei, I mean, and Solomon whacks him. Actually, he has him whacked. He's got people for that. It's like, yeah. He has him whacked. And then he's like, it's not my fault. I did everything I could to save the man. You know what I'm saying? Long term, what does that mean for you and I today? Let's get to the message. Your historical perspective rarely includes your own sin. I don't say that to beat anybody up. I'm just saying when Joe Wood is sitting there madder and horned about whatever it is he gets madder and horned about, it very rarely includes the, my part of it. And I believe that that's part of our humanity. We're not always honest with ourselves about ourselves. And we need to do that. Shimei refused to see his family sin in dealing with the Gibeonites. When David came into power, he had an obligation to win back the Lord's favor to save the people from a drought and from death. So we stop and we say, hey, where are we in life today that reflect the choices we made yesterday? Somebody once told me when I was in high school that I would never be a veterinarian, so I'm not a veterinarian. I gave my life to the Lord and he made something out of it, but I grew up thinking I would be a veterinarian. That's what I wanted to be. And so I chose to believe somebody that I should not have believed, but that should have given me hope and encouragement. David's present family situation is a direct reflection of the choice that he made concerning the rape of his daughter. He did not avenge that. He did not deal with that. And as a result of that, his family lost respect for him and wanted him dead so that they could take the throne because they could do it better than him. And so there's the situation. In both of these situations, there's two sins that are going on here. One is called the sin of commission. The other is the sin of omission. Commission is when we commit a sin, when we look at pornography, when we steal stuff, when we rob stuff, when we break stuff, when we murder people, when we be witches, I don't know, you know, when we do stuff. It's when we do stuff. We commit a sin. The other sin is the one that Jesus talks about, and that's the, the sin of omission. Or I guess James talks about it more even. But it's the sin of omission. If you see somebody in need, do something about it. Or another way of saying that is... Um, if you know how to do good and you choose not to do it, then for you it is sin. And so it's like, oh, okay. And so there's the sin of omission. So it's always beneficial, or beneficial for you and I to look back and realize before we start throwing rocks, we also have sin. That's not permission to sin. But we need to be kind of careful about that. 
Okay? The choices that we make today affect our tomorrows. There was a young man that helped us plant this church way back in the day. He was going to EKU. And it was right when um, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 Black Ops came out. I know that because that's back when I played Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. And then I had to get rid of my Xbox. Um, I, there's some things I want to be good at, some things I don't want to be good at. <laughs> I don't want to put in the time it takes to be good at Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. Um, but that being said, this young man disappeared from, for two or three weeks on the campus. Went inside of his dorm room, locked the door, and didn't come out for a couple of weeks. It cost him his scholarship. He was at school on a scholarship. Didn't see the need to take a bath, didn't see the need to do anything except beat that game and every level of it. And that's what he did. The only person that saw him basically was the people bringing him um, um, junk food and his roommate that kept telling him, go to class, go to class. And he, he chose not to do it. When that happens, what usually happens is people get down the road and they say, oh, the whole world's against me, it's not my fault. I'm not here to throw a rock at the young man. That was, you know, 10 years ago, 12 years ago. But at the end of the day, when we don't stop and consider our part in something, then everything becomes everybody else's fault. We made a choice. Something happened. We have to bear that part of it. It's called consequences. It's important. And so we want to be aware of that. Second thing is um, not being honest with ourselves makes for bad decision-making um, and choices. If we're not willing to be honest with us, with ourselves. We, we bear some, whatever you want to call it, some, some, some weight in the decision-making process. Back when my wife and I went into ministry, initially, back in 1994-95, we moved out to western Oklahoma. I bought into cowboying, hook, line, and sinker. You know, had big plans to be the pastor, but at the same time, instead of raising dogs, I was looking at horses, and so I bought a horse, and it was an expensive horse at the time. Um, it was only $2,000, but you know, today, that, I mean, back then, that was a lot, of, a lot of money, but man, if you could have just seen this little horse's dad, this little horse's dad was white, gray, in cowboy talk, but white, um, in reality, big blonde tail, big blonde mane, looked like an Arnold Schwarzenegger horse, okay? It was just like, that's a stud, and I, I mean, it was really a stud, but it was like, that's a stud right there, and so I was like, I'm gonna buy that little girl filly that came out of that horse, I'm going to take it home, and then, you know, I'm going to raise it up, and I'm going to train it, and I was doing great, things were going well, we named her Sarah, um, and it was just awesome, and then one night, I should tell you, probably my wife didn't want to buy the horse and said no, and that was back in the day when I would say, listen, you're the wife, I'm the husband, you're laughing because you did that sometime, you know you did, I say what goes on in this household, I'm trying to provide for my family. I bought the horse, and I remember one day a little tiny three-year-old was dragging a, a uh, tricycle back to the barn, the shed, and the horse went, it was low light, the horse went over the corral, five-foot corral, went over a fence post that was actually a railroad tie, and sheared the ball off the top of its leg, just in one jump, just sheared it off, you can't put them back on, it's over. You have to take it to Oklahoma State University and have them looking at it, and then they look at it and say, hey, it's got to be put down, sorry. And then you drive three and a half hours back home, and that's, you know what? You convinced yourself this was this. You made a bad choice. I don't have anybody to blame. I can't blame God for not healing the horse. I can't blame anybody else. I can't say my wife should have screamed louder. No, she didn't want to be a part of this. I made a bad choice, and I had to own it. 
And sometimes that's the case because when we aren't honest with ourselves, we can make some bad decisions. Shimei believed that he was just. He believed that he was going to curse David and David would die. Shimei believed Absalom was God answering David for Shimei's perceived injustice. And he convinced himself that he could go throw rocks and dirt at David and it was appropriate and he was doing God's work. And Shimei did not consider the other consequences that maybe, maybe that David would come back into power. And then what? Sometimes we argue that we deserve this, we have a right to this, that it's ours and we earned it or whatever it is. Sometimes we wallow when we say it's not fair. Both of those extremes take us to a, uh, from a place where we're not willing to deal honestly. And we need to deal honestly. And we've got to accept our part in our lives. The last thing is that sometimes the thing that we need is to just be still. You know, I can make all the bad decisions in the world, and I'm not suggesting that you do that. What I'm saying is we serve a God who loves us so much that at the end of the day, it's not the bad decision that matters as much as it is the repentance and receiving the forgiveness from God. Sometimes we can receive mercy and forgiveness from God, but we can't forgive ourselves. And we have got to be able to do that. We've got to recognize that when we take sin, when we take shame, when we take something that we did and we go to the throne of grace and we lay it at God's feet, it belongs to him now. Leave it there. Stop beating yourself up. Don't go back and keep sinning. But it's time for us to make some adjustments. And a lot of times the things that we've done are, are happening because we're not willing to make the adjustments. I cannot tell you how many times as a pastor in 30 years I have heard people say, well, God will just have to accept that, or God will just have to accept who I am, or God made me this way, so there you go. And it's like, no, 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 no. We have a choice in the matter. You and I have choices in this matter. The idea that the choices we often, or that we made, often lead to consequences that we live is something that we need to get a hold of. And we're going to make mistakes. We are. But praise God, we serve a God who does not hold that against us, but forgives us and says, get back up and let's do this again. It's the joy of the difference of the Old Testament and the New Testament. In the New Testament, we actually have forgiveness. In the Old Testament, you can go pay a penalty, but the book of Hebrews says it only covers over your sin till the next year. It doesn't take it away. Jesus' blood takes our sin away. There's no consequences down the road that we're waiting on that we're going to be scared of other than the ones that we may have to live with on this earth because of choices we made. But God says, be faithful. I love that God is not looking at our past as he plans our future, other than to say, all things work together for the good of those who are called according to God's purpose. That's you and I. And when we're willing to put it in God's hands, he says, watch what I can do with it. I love that Moses said this in the book of Exodus when people were scared to death that their past was going to come through the Red Sea and kill them dead. God, through Moses, Moses answered the people, don't be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. 
the Egyptians you see today, will ne- you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. Can you give God the opportunity to fight for you amidst all the mistakes that you may have made? Some of you are here thinking about big things that happened in your past, and some of you are sitting here going, I don't know if I made a bad choice yet. You know, it's like, it's okay. It's all right. I'm just saying God factored all that in when he died for your sins 2,000 years ago. He already saw it and covered it. All he's looking is for you to say, hey, I own it. Please forgive me. Get up and move on. It's a done deal. It's over. So make a plan. Consider where you came from and your historical choices. Confess your sin in the manner, whatever it might be, and watch God create a new future for you when you let him. But you got to do it God's way. And somewhere in here, it's appropriate for us to not look at David as an example. Excuse me, not look at Shemai, Shemai as an example, but look at David. At some point, it might be okay to say, you know what? I had a hand in this. Lord, please forgive me. Let him forgive you and leave it there at the cross. Now let's go forward. God wants to do something amazing in your life. Now, if none of this makes any sense to you, I'm sorry. Okay? Let me tell you this. You were born separated from God. You did not separate yourself from God. You were born a sinner. Inside of you is a seed that's rebellious. I want what I want when I want it. Every child is born with that seed because we're children of Adam and Eve. So we are born separated from God. We sin because that's our nature. But God, in his great love, died for our sins. When we're willing to say, I'm a sinner, God, please forgive me. God says, yes, I've got that covered. You're forgiven. Let's keep moving. Get back up. And then we get back up and we say, Lord, what do you want from me now? It's that simple. It's that simple. It really is. No skyrockets, no neon, no, it's just that simple. The acknowledgement that Jesus is the Lord who died for your sins, and as a result of that, you have an eternity with God in heaven forever, is what he's trying to get across to you. Just let go of your life now. Watch what he does with it. I want to encourage you, if you've never made that choice of I surrender God, I surrender all, consider doing that. You can do it right here, right now. It's a simple prayer. It's not conscripted from the scripture. It's just an awareness in your heart. God, please forgive me because I am a sinner. Thank you for the blood of Jesus to wipe that sin away. It's that simple. But then we get up and we begin to say, Lord, what's this relationship I have? What do you want from me now? What can I do for you? And we begin to do it God's way, not ours way. That's what we're after. Surrender, not accept. Surrender and get up and say, what what do you want now, Lord? I want to encourage you in that. These people are up here if you're carrying baggage. These people are up here if you're dragging something behind you that you can't let go of. These people are up here if you need to surrender your life to Jesus. These people are up here for whatever it is that you're facing right now that I don't know. But God cares. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. I know that. Let's pray. Father, who is God in heaven, we thank you and we praise you for today. We thank you for a message that doesn't always feel good, Lord. It's like, wow, some violent people in the scripture, Lord some broken sinners, and yet you used them. 
And you built a kingdom, God, and you, you wrote spiritual music through these people. And God, you brought glory and honor to your life through them. Use us, Lord, because we're the same kind of people. Just open our eyes and let us not belabor where we are, but let us hope and celebrate where you're taking us. God, we thank you for this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. I want to invite you to come to your feet. We're going to sing this song. And while we're singing this song, if you would like prayer today for something, could you just step forward and let us pray for you before we step on out of here?